Well, welcome back to the Pastors Podcast. Pastors Scott and Jim here. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) Um, With Cornerstone History, Volume Mm. 5, I believe. Yeah, somewhere somewhere up there. This is Part 5. I've really been enjoy I know people enjoyed listening to these um I've really been enjoying the, the history have have you been enjoying retelling it reliving it Jim uh enjoying is not the right word <laughs> <laughs> I think any I mean if you read you know most bi- uh biographies or autobiographies it's like uh, all the stuff that happened was adventurous, but really hard to go through. Uh-huh. And that's, how I, I guess, how I feel about it. I think it's it's amazing as I look on it from the point of view of God's hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think through how it was to walk through those days, uh, it's it's very it was a very difficult time for the church, and, mm-hmm. and it was difficult for me to to watch that and try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I was still growing myself at that point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. gosh. Times. Uh, so. You know, that, that's such a helpful perspective. I think even, I mean, even as we stop and maybe push pause in the midst of everything, we, I think that most of life, a lot of life, most of life feels that way. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. But, but looking back, you see the Lord's hand, you see what he was doing and there's, yeah. there's a beautiful, uh, there's a beautiful work that he was doing. Um, it's not always a blast to go through. No, it's, it's, it's like, you know, a piece of dirt on the floor. It's not great being swept up. But when you look back at the floor, that's, you know, I bet, forget that illustration. <laughs> <laughs> we are not pieces of dirt. Working illustration. Okay, fair, fair enough. <laughs> uh, see, this, yeah, is the difference between a, this is the difference between a, a podcast and like a sermon. Yes, you know? right. You, right. Know, you, you get to, in a sermon, you yeah. get to throw away 10 of those. That's true. You're like, yeah. no, nah, that's not quite. In a, in a podcast, yeah. it gets captured. It's just there. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we're um, we're picking up hopefully where we left off at the end of Doctor Huber's um, time here at the end of the. Let me do the math here. The end of the eighties, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, late eighties, maybe even nineteen ninety. No, not quite. Uh, I think Paul came in nineteen ninety, so I think it had to be eighty something, like eighty eight or eighty nine when when uh, George left. Eighty eight or eighty nine. Yeah. Like Dr. So it's Dr. Huber left. And yeah. then, so what's interesting to me is, well, um, so there are a couple of these dates you wanted to get, you, you wanted to correct. So the, yeah, Paul that, Edwards, you said came in 1992. I think we were talking about this before we hit record. Um, I, he came in, in, uh, I think I had said that. Yeah. And I, uh, but he came in 90. Oh, and okay. I thought it was yeah. reverse. So he actually came in 90. Yeah. And then he left in, uh, 97. Okay. So I think I had said he'd left in 99. Okay. So in between, um, in between Dr. Huber and Paul Edwards, Mm -hmm. you were the interim pastor. Yes. Okay. Um, For now the second time or for the first time? That was the first time. That was the first time. Huber and Paul. Huber and Paul. Oh, yes. That's right. Because Dr. Thomas and Dr. Huber, you weren't. I wasn't here yet. You weren't here. That's right. Okay. So this is your first stint as an interim pastor for two or three years. Yes. Um, before we dive into the rest of this, I'm, I'm a little bit curious what that was like. Um, it wasn't too bad. I don't, I think I didn't get bombarded because everybody knew I was temporary. Hmm. Uh, I think the church, uh, struggled. There were factions at that point in the church and, um, uh, there were philosophies about what should happen. And what I got bombarded with was, 
we ought to be doing this. We ought to be doing that with a highly divergent um, plans and prospects and urgings, hmm. um, which I, uh, uh, most of which were impractical given the, the division in, within the church had to be everybody on board to do any of those things. But um, that it, the nice thing was being the interim, it, I could kind of hold everything off until, you know, we say, well, we'll get a full-time pastor, senior pastor. Um, part of the issue was when there's one staff member down in a church this size, it makes it, it's a, it's a huge deal. You can't really want, the other pastor can't pick up everything. Hmm. You can pick up some of it, but you can't pick up everything. So, uh, and, and particularly sort of, because it was, it was, I mean, relative to what we're doing now is mm-hmm. a much smaller staff size. And yes. so it was a significant percentage. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, but then think about Paul, it was great. Was he had added, well, I guess we'll get into this, but he had added some uh, people as volunteers mm-hmm. uh, under the staff. So they were really good and had the time to commit to it. And he found those people and put them in positions of responsibility. So some of the more difficult things that we needed done were done without us having to hire anybody or go through any boards or anything. Mm-hmm. We just we just add a volunteer here and there and it made a big difference. So my my last question before we get into Paul Edwards and mm-hmm. his coming and then the, that era, kind of that time that um so you were the interim pastor yeah. between did you did you have any desire to be the senior pastor, to be the full time senior pastor? No, I'd had none at all. No. Mm-hmm. I had watched it close up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you felt like your role as an associate pastor was much more, was more insulated from that or, or in, and maybe even fit your gifts better? I wish I could say that. I felt, I think, uh, sort of trapped. I think I, I was- Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I felt like I couldn't leave because we, were, we, we had already had someone in leadership leave. Mm-hmm. And so there really wasn't anybody else. Uh, so I, I felt like I, I needed to stay here. I also felt that was God's calling, mm-hmm. um, and that, uh, and I, I did feel like I was learning a great deal. Um, some of it very difficult, but um, uh, so much of it I didn't have a clue how to move on. The good thing was because I had been with the city uh, and government before. Government has a ton of conflict, mm-hmm. and so I think what I realized was in that in those couple of years, I pull, I drew on some of the things that had happened uh, in the, when I was in my prior job and found out that I, I could, you know, be able, I was able to negotiate, I could able, I could, was able to help people think through or talk it down or something, uh, meet with the boards. I met with a lot of boards and committees, but um, I think that the sense was that that side of being an interim was also handicapping because although I didn't have as much as he had or as much vituperation, mm-hmm. uh, I did have a lot of complaints and uh, people got tired of hearing me say, well, let's wait until. Mm. So it was, it was, I remember pushing the the search committee to just find somebody because this is really <laughs> hard. <laughs> but it was it was doable, it was handleable. And I think that, you know, that, praise God, I, I was... Uh, I was the the person who could stall people off until we got someone else and that and people were willing to understand that. Okay. Okay. So that's helpful. I I don't envy that role. Oh, no. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it. Uh but uh man, so thankful for your faithfulness in it. Um 
well, multiple times. We're going to get to that, but yeah. um, just the, I mean, that was the first iteration of your yeah. faithfulness in that in that role. Um, so, in this, you know, we we've talked about kind of this era of the succession of three senior pastors, mm-hmm. one that roughly um, roughly coincided to these three decades: the eighties, nineties, and two thousands. Yeah. Um, Paul Edwards came in nineteen ninety mm-hmm. and was here for about. Almost 10 years, mm-hmm. nine, nine years. Um, describe Paul Edwards to me. What, what, what was he like? He's a great guy. He, um, uh, he is Australian. He did his, uh, came here to do, to, uh, for seminary, um, wound up staying here and working at a church. Um, the, the church that he was in had some particular problems that, that, uh, uh, had come from the prior pastor. And so he worked there until he felt like he couldn't really, that he had dealt with the problems he could deal with and the ones that were too ingrained he couldn't deal with and he felt he needed to move on. So he was looking around and um, looked at this church. I think I remember that he initially thought there were too many issues here for him to take this. But uh, when he compared us to some other opportunities, I think we seemed better than than they did. So, <laughs> so um he, he decided that they would uh, give it a shot and, and came down. Uh, the fact that he was an Aussie, I think, uh, was very intriguing to a lot of people. And it, it, uh, it was kind of uh, uh, fun just to hear him talk, of course, but also just to <laughs> see his sense of humor and uh, some of the things that, I mean, th- there, there are so many things that, that you know, didn't match up with American uh, social constructs, but uh, were delightful. Uh, just because he was you know, very bright and 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 uh, and so different, mm. so it worked out very well. You know, one thing I should say: this is parenthetical, but uh, with uh, George and Paul, and we'll talk about Jerry Wilkie later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of them had wonderful wives who were very very helpful and very much a part of the. I think the uh, dealing with the church and and much of the healing in the church. So um, I just think I should I should should have mentioned them as well. They're very mm. much a part of the church history, I think. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And <clears throat> what a, I mean, especially in a role like that, mm-hmm. I think that's, um, was probably, well, actually, let me ask this. Was that an expectation of the church or was that simply kind of a God ordained blessing that these women, um, stepped in and were, a uh, a, a healing and maybe ballasting presence, um, was, was that an expectation the church put on them or just something that happened? That's a good question. I would, uh, <clears throat> let's see if I, I can, I think the truth is both. Hmm. The church had expectations of what a pastor's wife was supposed to do. I think depending on the generation of the congregation you're talking about, they had different expectations. Hmm. Um, but uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, some, some people had, uh, I think, very uh, well-developed, healthy, good expectations. Um, each one of them, I think, uh, the, the wives adapted and handled uh, things and, and uh, were, were very, very good in different ways. But uh, I think I was fascinated because from my point of view, kind of on the inside, and having never really dealt with pastor's wives before, I was incredibly amazed by how each one of them uh, worked in some aspect of the church's ministry, uh, dealt with people, handled 
uh, problems, uh, took on some of the more obstreperous uh, complainers uh, on their own and um, built friendships. Uh, they were each uh, different, but I, I, for me, that was a study. I just was fascinated mm. by that. Mm. It was fascinating. As well as your your vocabulary, your vocabulary is on point today, Jim. You're just using some great words. I'm not I'm not going to stop and ask you to, to, to define them. People can look them up, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna comp it, com- oh, okay. comment now. I'm loving it. Um, what what were some of the the highlights of what God was doing during that time? As, as you reflect on you know the the decade of the '90s, um, what were some of the the testimonies or encouraging things where you saw God working? in uh, in the life of the church or in the lives in the church? Yeah, I, I think as a culture, the 80s had been difficult. 90s were not so. Um, and uh, the, on the West side here, I, I think the, the uh, mix of uh, generations was changing. There were a lot more uh, younger people, people, uh, the, the baby boomer generation was, you know, coming through college and into the workforce and into mm-hmm. life um, and uh, growing as a, as a group of people within the church. Uh, the World War II generation were, were fading away, but uh, still had a strong sense of their, I think, desire to control the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, for instance, we had a college professor and a college student both on our, uh, what was called our deacons board, which is our leadership board in those days. Um, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting that we could, we could do both and both were, were within the adult uh, framework of the church at that time. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we noticed the, the diminution of the, there's another word for you, uh, yeah, of, yeah. The, of the World War II uh, generation uh-huh. uh, as they grew older and moved away or retired or uh, stopped coming or got sick or whatever. Um, and yet there were some still left who who really fought for uh, a, a church that would look the way it should look hmm. to somebody who was you know, in their prime in 1945. And then there, there was this uh, larger uh, group of younger people. And and Paul uh, saw that as as really necessary that we begin to draw that generation in, and mm-hmm. so worked very hard to uh, create both uh, sermons on Sunday and also programs that would attract college students, post college young people in the workforce uh, into the church, and and so the church began to grow. Uh, for one thing, just his accent was intriguing. For another, he was very intelligent, very very good uh, sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, the place, and there were some complaints there, but the, the place where the older generation continued to push was on the boards and committees, and there, were, there was a huge structure of boards and committees. So, mm-hmm. And they had been on them for years. They know exactly how they work. So when younger people were appointed to those boards, they didn't often last long. Mm-hmm. They found that, you know, it's a closed group and I can't really do anything. Okay. So it was, a, it was a mix. Yeah. What, what did you see... Um... Just in lives of some, I know you said that there were some um, missionaries maybe sent out. There were also, I mean, as people came to know Christ, um, how did you see hearts and lives changing or things that the Lord was doing in this community at that time? Um, Yes, some of our missionaries that are now out uh, were growing in that time and came be, were, I think, inspired uh, to take a look at missions. Mm. 
Um, and uh, I, I, so I think that, that uh, selectively there were people who that was just the right formula for them. Um, and here, here's a pastor who's international and mm. uh, himself. So uh, he's, he's able to speak, I think, from a different perspective than the American perspective and talk about like the South Pacific area where mm. Australia is. Um, and I think that that made a big difference in um, uh, the call that some of the younger people felt um, that they might not have felt otherwise. Mm. Interesting. And, or if they felt it, it was welcomed by him rather than, than there is anybody saying you're too young for this or something. Mm. Um, at the same time, I think um, he was willing to sustain those who were older. There were a couple of missionaries that really needed to be retired out. They were really mm-hmm. not doing anything at all. And, and he, I think, did the hard work of, of dealing with those, which I think nobody else wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways he was perfect for that situation. Mm-hmm. So you said in general the church was growing during this time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it grew. As, mm-hmm. um, was, it, was it growing spiritually? Like was it, was it deepening as well? Good question. I think, uh, let me, I, th- I think Paul was a very intelligent um, explainer uh, of Scripture, take, bringing it into terms that could be understood. It was a fairly high level, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he did so with, uh, I think, uh, a real ability to, to teach. Um, he often went off sermon and would just start talking on a point that he thought was important. And on a Sunday, on a Sunday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was it was uh, for some people that was like aggravating, but I think for many of the younger church members, it was wonderful. It was it was they were used to you know dry, you know red sermons, mm-hmm. and here is someone just speaking extemporaneously to you know take a passage and say you know I think this we might want to look at how this is in our world right now. Um, and they loved when he did that and, and uh, you know, brought their friends the next week. And so hmm. uh, the church filled up. Membership did not grow that much, but the church filled up with people on Sunday mornings, which hmm. was interesting. And if you remember back in Dr. Thomas's day, it was filled up mm-hmm. and it hadn't been since. So people were very gratified by the fact that there was a, you know, every pew seat was taken. Okay. Okay. So it, it filled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, membership did not necessarily track with that because there, there was a lot of excitement, yeah. but it, you know, maybe there were people that were here more temporarily or maybe less committed, For, but they were yeah. excited to be here. Yeah. And membership to them, I think, wasn't that big a deal. Got it. Okay. Um, what, what happened? So, I mean, I, I think back, what, what happened to the, the group that chased Dr. Huber out, <laughs> um, that made that yeah. when life was so hard for, him and his wife yeah. that they couldn't stay was that um was dr edward did, did he provide what they wanted that they didn't get in dr huber uh was there there a lull yeah, what yeah, how did that uh how did that it did it, it develop did. there was a lull um one of the uh protesters one of the uh mm-hmm. detractors uh was put on the search committee and was uh i think influential in and uh, talking uh, Paul Edwards into coming. Um, and uh, that that's the, I think, the group and somewhat younger 
that uh, started filling up the church. Hmm. So yeah, I think um, very much that that he spoke to that uh, generation, and I think just the fact you know he was the only Australian pastor on the in on the West Side, anyway, as far as I know, uh, and that there is something kind of exotic about the fact that that he hmm. was not even from this country. Uh, he was also very intelligent, so I think that his sermons reflected that, and they liked that. So mm. it, it wasn't; it was quite a change. Okay, and there, and of course, there is now criticism coming from the older people, mm. uh, who were more used to the Thomas, and somewhat to the Huber style. Mm-hmm. Um, where where was this? so? We talked a little bit about the how the church was kind of trying to hold down the. Uh, the way things used to be in contrast with the community as the community was developing. Mm-hmm. This sounds like maybe it was an opportunity for the church to catch up a bit. Yes. Um, yeah. Where, where was the church in relation to how the community was, was changing around it? Um, it didn't have such a feel for the community. Uh, it's, it's a funny thing. I think some of the real estate situation on the West side had changed at that point. So that uh, it was very hard to buy a house around here. The houses are expensive. So the people who lived close by were the older people who had bought a house, you know, back in the 50s or 60s mm-hmm. or something like that. And and so they were very close. So we began to get people driving from uh, uh, kind of central LA or Culver City area or uh, uh, even farther away uh, who had come clear across town to hear Paul. Uh, the problem with that was it filled up the sanctuary on Sunday, but that didn't mean they were available to you know, handle Awana or something on mm-hmm. Monday. Uh, so uh, it didn't provide a lot more volunteers. Um, and so programs like Vacation Bible School or other things that we did, uh, they, they suffered from uh, not having enough people. We, we did Awana for a while, and Awana just, just was crying for volunteers. Uh, it takes a lot of people to run an Awana yeah. program, if anybody knows what that is. Um, and um, uh, they, that was a constant problem because people didn't have – driven over for Sunday services, didn't want to drive over on Monday, not mm-hmm. Monday night. Mm-hmm. So it created some problems. Uh, but I think people were gratified to see younger people in church on Sunday. That made a difference. And um, I think the, the, the reduction in some of the older people, it was, it was good. I, I remember noticing and being sad about the fact that some people who had been very much encouragers and uh, pushed back against some of the complaints. They were the ones who stopped coming, not necessarily because they didn't want to be here, but because of age or infirmity of something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it it didn't exactly mitigate the, the complaints uh, because uh, the, some of the people who were still complaining were, were still coming. Mm. But their complaints, I think, uh, had less impact. Mm. Because we had this, you know, I mean, you, you looked around on Sunday morning. It was very, it was very exciting. Mm. So, I mean, even as you say that, the not only did things get more expensive, I'm imagining they got more dense during yes. that time, and so travel also became more difficult. Is yes. that okay? Because I mean, I I imagine actually as you're as you're describing that and where people might be coming from, I, I imagine the the distance that you can. Uh, you know, conveniently get to the church on a weeknight. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I just imagine it shrinking over the decades. Yeah. <laughs> right? Starting like, you know, maybe at one point you could have gotten here on a weeknight from 10 miles away. Uh-huh. And in the 90s, it was five miles away. And yeah. it's since then, it's just shrunk and shrunk yeah. and shrunk. And now you can now now you can conveniently get here from a half a mile away. And that's about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And not know, even. And, yeah, exactly. Depends on your time. Yeah, um, it's true. So that's, it's interesting. The You're, other side of that is we had a much smaller parking lot than we do today. You should, you know. That. Oh, that's right. So where the parking lot is now, uh, there were some apartment buildings and uh, the church made money off of, they had bought them for a few, for expansion, then realized it could get income from this. So they didn't expand, mm-hmm. they just took the money. Um, and then we got into a program post-Vietnam where we were taking uh, Vietnam refugees and we used those apartments for for them. They, were, they got to live there rent-free. Hmm. Uh, until they could get themselves put together. So these programs are growing, which meant that we had probably 14 parking spaces, something like that, oh not much more. And uh, yeah, so it's very, so you're parking on the street, everybody's parking on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, so um, so in, in some ways the the church, cut, it got younger, mm-hmm. and if it, but it also became harder to live right around here. Yes. Um, and um, I mean, it sounds like in the coming of Paul Edwards, a, a lot of the problems that had, um, that had, that Dr. Huber had to deal with, mm-hmm. that it plagued, it plagues the word I was looking for, Jim. My yes. vocabulary is struggling <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, a, lo- a lot of the a lot of the problems that had plagued Dr. Huber, um, uh, Paul Edwards w- was a solution to a number of them, and the church grew, and it was a blessing. So, did those problems disappear? Did they uh, morph? Did they resolve? Like, what what was the um, how did things develop? Kind of as the Edwards era progressed through the nineties. Morphed is the word. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, the 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 problems changed in their nature. Um, instead of complaints, there were more um, moral problems and um, problems of um, criticism of the philosophy of church uh, that uh, plagued him particularly. Um, people would say to him, this is not what church is supposed to be like. So, okay, let, let me, let me just, before we get too far down that. So you yeah. said moral problems that plagued him. Yes. Moral problems in the church or, yes. or in his life? In the church. Okay. Just want to yeah. clarify before no, we no, move no, on. That's, no, what, I, that's not, what I thought. Not, not, not with Paul and Kara. So, they were wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But they, so there were moral problems yeah. in the church and yeah. a tension of, um, philosophy of ministry in the church. Yes. And the, the, the moral problems created, uh, I think, a, 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 a toxic atmosphere in a way. It, it, there's, it's one thing to argue with somebody over philosophy of ministry. It's another to have to go to them and say, what you're doing is a, a sin, mm. and you need to either stop it or leave the church. Mm. That's a very hard thing to say. And people, I think, uh, not only resent it, but uh, they fight back that it's, that what do they care about the church? If they're, you know, get out of their lives. And um, there were uh, 
a couple of those that were particularly egregious. Uh, one had to do with the the board of deacons itself, which was really, I think, the the biggest and most sad one, and uh, just really um, broke everybody's heart. It was uh, it was quite quite uh, painful, and I think a moral that, failing among the among you know, actual on the board of deacons. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that 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 was uh, I think. Uh, Probably the beginning of the end was was when, when that happened, mm. and I think it just it just broke his heart and wore him out dealing with that because uh, the board wanted to take it back and deal with it in a very punishing kind of way, and Paul was trying to walk through it. Mm. But it wasn't the only problem. Mm. Um, the the generational set at that point, I don't know if, I, I may be overanalyzing this, but it seemed to me like the generational set had lined up the post-World War II people um, and the uh, World War II people uh-huh. uh, into two groups, both of which were struggling culturally in, in, in the culture at large, this is a time where all, all kinds of things were going on, uh, I think, in, in the culture at large, and, and a lot of turmoil. And some of that began to feed into the church um, so that uh, drugs, um, uh, behavior that was, was not uh, ethical, um, and uh, sex problems, mm-hmm. all three began to pop up in the church just like they were in the culture around us. Mm. And uh, uh, I think it was, for for Paul particularly, it was exhausting. Mm. Exhausting to try to shepherd people through that? And, yes. Or to respond to it? Both. Yeah. I think that the, the issue was because it was more acceptable in the culture, there was more pushback mm. in the church. Uh, from people who, you know, I mean, they may have known their Bibles, but they just weren't emotionally mature. Not that they weren't spiritually, but they weren't emotionally mature. Mm. And that, that's what I saw. It's my observation. There may be more to it than that. But but from my perspective, the, the, the issue I had was I was in on some of this because Paul brought me in. Mm-hmm. And on other parts, he didn't want me to be in because I was acting at that point as a counselor for the church. And so he said, I need to have you be able to do that in a neutral way and not mm. you know, biased by me. So um, what, what that meant was I, I knew of some problems because I met with the Board of Deacons. Mm-hmm. Other problems he didn't tell me about, and uh, then I found out in the counseling room. Mm. At that point, I was, I was acting as the church's on-site counselor, so I got a lot of... Did that, um, did that feel like it justified the, the older generation's reticence to change and to open up to the younger generation? Were, was there any um what was there a sense that during that time while the church grew it uh its spiritual depth lacked because these issues were popping up or do you do you see as not do people not necessarily see those as related was it more about the, the influx of the culture yeah it's it's in there somewhere in what you're asking i i think th- and again, this is my perspective. I want to be very careful to say that I was looking mm-hmm. at this kind of from not exactly outside, but yeah. from not being in the in the uh, generation of the World War II, and not also being mm-hmm. in the generation that was. I was more in the generation that was, that was uh, coming in, uh, but I was a little bit older than they were. 
what I saw was that that the uh, for the older people there was seen, there seemed to be a hardening uh, that uh, I thought was was sad that the, the, the church was to look a certain way and that if it didn't look that way then something is wrong and that seemed to be really more and more as got, as people got older uh, something that I mean I, I began to hear the phrase in in my day da 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 da. And so there's this continuing, I think, divide um, between two generations that seem very, very far apart. Um, and I think that was that created a, a lot of the issues. But both generations, from my perspective, uh, were, seemed to be equally involved in activities that uh, were they they knew better mm. from a Christian perspective, and they probably. I can't say they didn't know better than from a moral perspective, but they wanted to do that. And, and so something happened that kind of loosened people's hold on, on their, their morals. Mm. I don't think it was in the church. I think it was in the culture. Mm. Um, and I think it had to do with our entertainment with the, if you look at the, it had to do with, uh, I think the, uh, more issues that were going on at the time, Vietnam in particular. Mm. Um, and a, a sense that, uh, uh, the, the, Things are falling apart, or uh, uh, things don't make sense anymore. We're not we're not united on in something, and in the larger community, but that fed into the church. Mm. And that's the best I can tell you. Okay, it was a weird time. No, it's so <clears throat> so interesting, and um, and such an interesting shift, um, even a generational shift. So, okay, well, yeah. one of the things that makes me that makes me wonder is the uh, generational diversity in. Uh, grew and there was this influx of new people. Did that, did that engender a broader diversity among whether it's, whether it's economic, socioeconomic, cultural diversity, ethnic diversity did, or was it more monolithic, but just younger? No, it's, it's a good question. I, I, it was, it was kind of both for one thing, more economically, people were more in the same category, younger and older. Mm. For uh, uh, ethnically, uh, it was uh, much uh, much uh, wider, as much farther apart. Uh, at that time, we already were uh, having churches use our facilities for uh, Japanese services, Egyptian services, uh, uh, Spanish language services, um, and uh, the the uh, that that seemed to go okay. Nobody nobody seemed to although. Uh, the only time we got together was at Christmas, and we'd all sing Christmas carols together. But we, we didn't get together pretty mm. much any other time. Mm. And uh, I think Paul was trying to work us to get to be kind of. He, he invited, uh, I think, one of the Egyptian leaders to be a part of our deacon board, and that drew some anger and, mm. and frustration or, or complaints from uh, our deacon board. But um, I, I think that. That sense that uh, other uh, languages and other uh, cultures could be on campus was was a new thing. I think particularly after World War II, it was a little bit yeah. difficult to, to conceive of that. But uh, as we moved further away from that, it seemed uh, better. But the 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 difficulty in the in the congregation, um, it was uh, was hard to pin down. But but there is still the sense that uh, th- this is what life should be like, and this uh, I think very much uh, 
pushing back on that sense that you guys are, you know, you, you got that out of the war. That's fine. The war is over. We've got our own war now, uh, but we also have our own sense of what, what, uh, what it should look like here and it should look very different. Um, and, and economically as well, I think there, there is quite a difference. So just several areas of conflict that mm-hmm. popped up, but they all seem to me uh, very much uh, divisive by generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were exceptions to that, big ones, but yeah. I think that's, that's what I saw. And so that's where the tension yeah. um, and, and in a sense needed growth was, was focused, was on the generational in a sense, the generational diversity. That seemed to me the difficulty that, that stood out most. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, but I, uh, again, I'll, I'll iterate that. Uh, I think you can have like one moral failure in a church, maybe two, and the churches will bounce back. When you have uh, like five or six uh, kind of at the same time or near the same time, I think it rattles people. People are wondering what's going on here. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it's a big church, but it— Five or six isn't that many in the culture. <laughs> Probably yeah. have five out of six of the culture. But yeah. uh, I think it, it, for the church, particularly for the older generation, that was that was alarming. Really and, rattled. Yeah, things. really rattled them. Yeah. Okay. How how did um, so uh, Paul Edwards stayed about nine years. Yeah. Um, that in one sense seems typical, which is strange. It also seems yeah. short to me. Yeah. Um, why only nine years? Why why wasn't yeah why why wasn't he here kind of perpetually? Yeah, he wanted or until to be, his retirement. He to, yeah he told me he wanted to be here for he was hoping this would be the church he'd retire at. But mm. um, I think the the uh, the struggles with the, the the various generations and their pull on him uh, in different directions uh, the. Um, uh, issues, I think, of, of, of being uh, on the West Side, which I think it, it grew more and more difficult, uh, both uh, just the urbanity of it and the, the secularism of it. Um, the, the, uh, I think the, the battles for maintaining the church the way it was and doing the ministries that the church had in the way it was and changing the church and, and developing new ministries that would uh, be more appropriate to the concern, concern of the younger generation um, they just pulled at him in all directions. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it was there, the possibility of if he had had more staff, if he had had more uh, leadership uh, 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 weight in the, in the uh, Board of Deacons, um, it, it might have been okay. But, but it was pretty much uh, he was the one who was the arbitrator. He was the one who was everybody turned to and to complain. Mm. And I, I think that it uh, overwhelmed him. I also I think have, that this was not since this was not his first church, that there were problems in previous churches that may have already worn him out some, and he was more impatient with them. Mm. Uh, but he just it reached the point where he said, "I just I just can't do this anymore." Mm. So it I mean it seems to me, and obviously this is you know uh, colored by uh, my own polity and our own ecclesiology now, but it seems to me like part. A significant part of that is the, simply the uh, unsustainable expectations on a single pastor. Yes, over a church. Yes. Um, you, you, so you think that was yes a big part of that? I, 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 you could say you could also argue that 
pretty much every church in those days was a single pastor. Well, church. so I was going to ask. Yeah. So I was going to ask if, if, given the, the unsustainable reality yeah. of that, why was that so common from your perspective, and why was that expected here? I, I think that uh, the this church in particular was a very difficult church to pastor because of the generations and because of the urbanity, um, because of the post. Dr. Thomas and his long shadow, mm. uh, it, it put more pressure on the senior pastor to do everything and, and uh, handle the big problems. Uh, and yet no one, when you looked back at Dr. Thomas, no one had that kind of charisma. Mm. And particularly somebody from another country who had only you know, been here for, for a short while. Uh, even though I think Paul was brilliant and handled many problems that I think I wouldn't have been able to handle. Um, I think it was just constant and uh, very difficult for him. And when when there, uh, I think one of, was one of the uh, the last moral failure that he dealt with. I think was just heartbreaking to him, and it, it, mm. I think it put him over the edge. Mm. And so, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you mention uh, Dr. Thomas. So his, you felt like his shadow continued. Yeah, in isn't a it sense. interesting? Yeah, because the the funny thing is. You know, he was here quite a long time ago by the time Paul Edwards came. Yeah, yeah. And yet, all of the, uh, I don't know, I'm going to call them the Thomas people, all the uh, people who had who had been here and been under him, uh, probably, I don't know, two-thirds of them were still here. And well, I mean, because, they, because they bought their houses in the 40s and the 50s. It's exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. their church, not because of Dr. Thomas, but because yeah, yeah. economically they were yeah, kind of yeah. stuck here. Yeah. And even in to, the, to our day, there are were people still coming who were Dr. Thomas people yeah. who lived right around here. Uh-huh. So uh, it, it was a it was a long-term grip on this church. And I, I think had the generations changed out faster or ha- had the, uh, the sense of that strong leadership not been so, I think, wonderfully uh, shown by Dr. Thomas, there might have been more room for people to uh, adjust. Hmm. But that's just speculation. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there were a lot of things that the Lord, it sounds like a lot of things the Lord was doing. And in a sense, it was unsustainable long-term mm-hmm. for Paul Edwards. But um, he was both a, a blessing of a man and a pastor, and they were a blessing of a couple to the church. Yeah. And um, even through some really difficult situations as the church grew and had and dealt with some really tough situations mm-hmm. um what from that that era let's say the 90s mm-hmm. looking back are are there any things that the church was doing then that you hope we will emulate or that you hope that we will reflect um kind of as a yeah as an echoing legacy from that time yeah i think there are there are several good lessons uh, I think that that uh, we're already implementing. Um, I, I think that uh, one is to be very, very watchful of the impact of generations mm. or the impact of economics mm. uh, around us uh, on on where we are and what we're doing. Uh, it doesn't always occur that they're the same. It doesn't always occur that the old generation sticks around for a long time. Yeah. It doesn't always occur that uh, e- economic stability maintains for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think so just, it's not wrong to, I think, be a, a, a sociological watchdog 
to see what's happening and uh, see how to accommodate it um, or uh, maybe object to it, depending, uh, and, and finding an appropriate way to, to do that more up front than waiting until it starts to slip into the church through the back door mm. and people's behavior or uh, fights within the church mm. or, um, you know, the drying up of income or all kinds of ways that it, it begins to affect churches. Mm. I also understand that this is spiritual warfare, that that, that uh, uh, there, are, there are active participants in, in wanting to bring churches down. Mm. And I think that... that uh, we tend to cling to things that we think are uh, somehow terribly important when they're not necessarily the most important things in, in the fact of God's kingdom. Mm. Um, one of the things that I have, I have expected is the city has been after our property for decades. Mm. And I think, you know, one day they're probably going to get it. Uh, mm. And I think we should be, okay, everybody, here's what we're going to do. Mm. Uh, we're going to meet in the Santa Monica Auditorium. I don't know, we're going we're, we're to figure this out. We're going to move ahead, but um, something uh, that's the first example that comes to mind. But there are all kinds mm-hmm. of possibilities of things that can happen uh, that can pose a crisis for the church, and I think we have to be crisis ready because uh, the, if you're not, uh, you're you you may survive the crisis and lose the battle somewhere down the road, which is mm-hmm. why I think we almost did. Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense. No, it it, it kind of does. What um. What was it that do you think made them almost lose, or what did almost losing the battle look like, like surviving the crisis, but actually losing in the long run? What what was that? What was did that come from the fact that they weathered these scandals, um, but didn't address the underlying? long-standing tensions or structural or was it is that like structural issues like hey how did i don't know how do you picture that i think it's i think it's it's a complicated picture i, okay. I think for for one thing um there is there was no I, I, paul actually said this it had no effect but it should have there there, there was there was no one other than paul saying okay you need to let go you need to let i, I need to have a, a board of directors that is mostly people in their late 20s now mm. You guys are in your 70s. So there was no one to tell the older generation that they needed to let go. Yeah. Mm. No one that they, would, I guess, would listen. I think if Dr. Thomas had come back, it <laughs> <laughs> might have listened to him. Um, I, I think that uh, it's it's important to, to look at, and I don't think it's uh, uh, theologically wrong, to look at the economy of your area mm-hmm. and say, all right, well, who do we, where do we find people? Because they're getting increasingly hard to find. Yeah, and how is that affecting them? Yes, yeah. and and how is it affecting? They're coming to a building. Do mm. we do more and more uh, of our uh, ministry by uh, podcast? <laughs> yeah. Or uh, <laughs> no, that's why we're that's why we're here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or or do we? You know, how do we how do we uh, continue to communicate uh, mm. into the people around us? And how I think one of the issues is. Uh, as church waxes and wanes, I think it's an acceptable thing to do in our culture. How do we um, move around that? Mm. If it's not acceptable right now in this, uh, this generation or this this uh, area, uh, how do we move around that to continue to reach people? Mm-hmm. And uh, then once, uh, how do we watch when we don't need to do that anymore and 
you know, pull back. Mm. Um, I, I think those are things that are, are critical to, to being God's people in a, mm. in a place where, you know, people are basically about money. Yeah. That's so, there's so much wisdom there, Be right? Because we're, what we're doing then is we're not just, uh, uh, Brian talks a lot, right? About being theologically engaged, how yeah. we are not, but it doesn't mean just that we know our Bibles, right, right? right? But that we know the people, the culture around us. We know how it's touching down in uh, the depths of their their lives and in the practicalities yes. of their lives, which um, I think it'd be pretty easy to, from a you know biblical worldview, it'd be pretty easy to uh, underappreciate the significant ways in which the economy and people's economic situations shape their experiences yes. and where scripture touches down. Yes. Um, I think it's a very, I mean, it's still very real and very present on the West side. Very, yes. very, very present tension. Yes. Um, I think in life. Um, so I want, okay. So I have one last question yeah, okay. and we'll kind of wrap this up and we'll, then we'll uh, pause to in, the transition and then address next time the transition between Paul Edwards and, and Jerry Wilkie. Okay. But um, you know, you said that they were having a trouble the older generation was having trouble. Somebody telling them when it was time to you know, like, oh. step aside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the incredible blessings I think of the, the merge and the subsequent years was being a recipient of those in an older generation um, like yourself. And I don't, I don't mean to call you. I don't mean name calling here, Jim, but <laughs> we're, we're in different generations. Um, and, and like you said, being recipients uh-huh. of that, of the other side of that lesson of the gracious um, participation and an engagement, but also in a uh, desire to allow a younger generation to um, follow where they thought the Lord was leading, where they could see the Lord leading mm-hmm. them in the church. Um, I, I've also now been pastoring some form of this church for 17 years and I'm in my forties and am now wondering about the other side of that. How would you encourage us, this current generation to prepare ourselves to do that well in regards to the younger generation that's coming up underneath us um, and to not get blinded by assuming the thing that the church will always need the most is the most of us. <laughs> oh, what a light and easy question to answer. Let me think. <laughs> it might be completely unfair and maybe we'll, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll cut it and it's a little bit off topic, oh. but I'm just, I'm curious. Oh. I mean, I, I'm, I, I think about these things um, often actually, as I think about the church from a big picture perspective. And it's, it's one of those lessons that I continue to strive to learn from you. And so I thought in this context, it'd be, Fun to you know, see see what see what hits your brain. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing a whole lot of that right now. Yeah, I think uh, w- one of the, the very the very issue of the of the merge of churches that mm-hmm. we did uh, years ago, I think what was an act of that mm-hmm. to say, all it right, was. let's just hand over the reins, um, because uh, it looks like God's showing us a way, mm. and because uh, we 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 need to we need to not think that we're going to you know be able to go on forever. Um, and I think it was not hard to look at our situations and say, hey, um, here's a great dynamic church uh, meeting at a theater, um, and uh, 
we have a half-empty church and totally empty uh, children's rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, gee, this isn't the this is a no-brainer it seems to me. Mm-hmm. And yet there was a, quite a fight over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think to to look and lead with a a, a sense of temporary temp, temporariness mm. um, that. Uh, it just made up a word uh, that uh, I, I, I know where I am in my age bracket, but I also know how I feel. Mm. And I, f- I feel like a smooth running car is just, just hitting its stride right now. I'm on mm. the freeway and I'm doing 80 and I'm doing, going great and everything's fine. Mm. Um, and so why should I uh, bother to, you know, uh, hand my car to somebody else mm. or church? But uh, I think that's the point where you say, okay, I'm beginning to think uh, kind of uh, not practically and not theologically, but uh, personally, and that's going to kill the whole thing. Mm. I need to move uh, to a side-by-side with somebody. I don't need to get out of the car. I need Mm. to move to the side-by-side so that somebody younger than me who wants to is willing to... um, Take, began the process of learning the controls to take over the controls mm. with the idea that I, I can, I can re- immediately or pretty quickly make, make you uh, the, the, the person who's controlling, mm. but the advice is, your, your job is to be able to hear my advice mm. and to sort through that for good judgment. Uh, I don't think it's easy. I think it's complicated, but I, I yeah. think that uh, our, our, our time for effective action is short. Mm. Uh, and we tend to want to make it long mm. and that we have to, uh, know that we are eternal people and that this is one piece and there are many other pieces coming up, uh, not just until our bodies die, but way beyond that. Mm. That's, that's so helpful. I think that's, that's it really is. I, I know there's a lot of pieces there, but I think even just the temporariness of it, yeah. always viewing everything as every season as, as temporary is really helpful. It yeah. prepares us in that. There's something you even said just, I mean, almost in passing in there about um, when we start thinking about it from, when we start thinking about ourselves yeah, and not about the church and what it needs and, and whatever, like we're, it's, there's, there's a shift there. And I think even, um, and I think undergirding both everything you've said and, and also everything I've, I feel like you've told me over the years is a um, that that I want to emulate in you is a sensitivity to the spirit, a sensitivity to what God is doing, um, where I can assume what God's doing because it's what He's done, versus a, a sensitivity to what what's He doing, what, what is He doing now, and what is He doing uniquely in this season um, that. Uh, you, the sensitivity in you is, I think, what's led here, and it's one of the things that I, I hope we emulate and model for generations to come as well. Yeah, thank you. I think it's a spiritual gift, not a not a uh, an emotional or you know intellectual gift. I think mm. uh, the the more I I have a sense of, I mean, it's very hard for me to read scripture and read about Jesus, you know, knowing it's time to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, is it never time to go to the cross, right? If, if I'm Jesus and I got followers and Roman Empire hates me, mm. I'm not going to go to, I'm going to, you know, mm. lead an army. Yeah. And uh, how, do, how do I get that? So that's, 
thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for your, your example. Um, and, uh, and for your time to be able to put all this together. I think we, we all just edify are edified so much by being able to look back in this way oh, uh, great. On, on stories. And so Thanks, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Okay. Um, we'll pick up with the transition in the kind of final, the third of these, the succession of three senior pastors and Jerry Wilkie okay. um, next time. But uh, thanks again. And, and if you're, if you're listening and if you feel like along the way you've heard just underneath everything we're saying, not something necessarily deep and spiritual, but like just something sweet and angelic. Uh, the choir has been practicing out in the, in the sanctuary. I don't think the mics can pick it up, but <laughs> if you feel like you're hearing things that, that, that might be it. It certainly wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks again, Jim. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. We, we love you. Yes, and we do. We'll see you on Sunday.